your name? Where did you grow up? What school did you go to? Who are your closest friends? Have you ever been in love? Who was your first love? The answers to these questions make up who you are as a person, your identity. But what if your identity was lost? An estimated number of 4,400 unidentified bodies are found in the United States. Of those, about 1,000 remain John or Jane Doe's after a year passes. Without a family or friends to come forward, authorities in these cases often have little to go on. Today we're going to discuss a case that is just that, an unidentified woman. But there's just one difference. This woman is alive. And despite having vague memories of her past, she can't quite put her finger on a lot of the details. No one has come forward to claim this woman as their relative. And so she spends her days wondering, who am I? Today I'm joined by returning guest Elaine Erickson to discuss the story of China Black. She has a story. It's just a matter of finding the pieces and telling it. This is episode 31 of 1 minute and 43 seconds, a true Unsolved Mysteries podcast. kind of case than I've ever covered and it's it's very unique okay so throughout my interest in unsolved mysteries obviously the thing that first really started to intrigue me was unsolved disappearances of course Mm -hmm. Um, you know the concept of somebody just going missing I always found to be really fascinating in a tragic sort of way, of course. Um, right. But then there is a whole other genre of people that are unfortunately found deceased that are unidentified, which is very sad. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there are people that go missing all over the country and they either had no family or nobody came forward to claim who they who they were. You know, hmm. a lot of times they may be sex workers or homeless or things like that. Um, so that was fascinating. But the case I'm talking to you about today is a case of a Jane Doe, but she's alive. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That's unexpected. So, so this is China Black. Or so or so that is what she calls herself, okay? Okay. This is a woman that has been living at a 
an adult foster care facility um, by the name of Beyond Boundaries in the Detroit metro area. Okay. Um, and from what I can gather, she's been living there for, let's see, I want to say like close to eight years now. There are some conflicting sources. Um, China is a double amputee. She's missing her legs from the knees down. And she's oh. also she's also missing her pinky finger. Oh. Um, she does not remember who she is. And so far, nobody has been able to figure out who she is. So how is that possible? Right. Mm -hmm. She has no memory, basically, of her life before she came to the care facility. She believes that her name is China Black, but she's also given a few other names um, that she thinks may be associated with her name. Um, So I thought what I would do for this one is I'm going to show you a quick news clip that was put out by, um, it's called Click on Detroit. I guess it's a news site. Um, So I just, I wanted to show you a story that they ran and this ran in 2018. Okay. And it's a little bit of a feature on China Black. Okay. Okay, great. And then we'll get, then we can discuss. She is a living Jane Doe. It's a nightmare not knowing who you is. Years not knowing her true identity. This woman is hoping a detective can help identify her. Now, this Metro Detroit woman says she has a family, including a son. But she does not remember her real name. Defender Karen Drew reveals how a Michigan State Police detective will attempt to solve this case. Imagine not knowing who you are, what your real name is. That's the case for a Metro Detroit woman. She is sharing her story and working with police in hopes of discovering her true identity. I'm Detective Krebs. Okay. I'm with the state police. An introduction that could end a long nightmare for this woman. Because it's hard waking up every day and you don't know you don't know who you is. Sometimes they have to tell me my name because I forget. China Black, Jonas Johnson, C.J. Jones, all names, aliases this living Jane Doe has used. I work lots of, um, you know, unidentified remains cases. This is my first living Jane Doe. Detective Sergeant Sarah Krebs handles the missing persons unit for Michigan State Police. Tell me about how you lost your legs. She's interviewing China Black for the first time, gathering information to help identify her. I feel really badly for her. I feel like um, there's got to be somebody out there that knows exactly who she is. China is a double amputee. She's also missing her left pinky finger. She says she was hit by a drunk driver after leaving McDonald's on Woodward near Wayne State University. Unclear, though, how long ago. That was the event where you lost your memory? No one has been able to verify her story. She's lived in an adult foster care home for the past four years. Those who care for her say the not knowing has really taken a toll on China. She has her days where she don't, she just likes to sleep and don't do anything. Um, she, she'll sometimes refuse, refuse food, you know, just don't want to get up. It's believed she grew up in Detroit, may have went to Osborne and Cooley High School. What part of your life do you think that was that you were over in the east side? Growing up like a little girl or when you were older? Okay. 
China says she was married to a man named Peter Smith, and they have a son named David, who she thinks is living in California. So if you had to guess, how old are you today? 52. Krebs has taken China's DNA to run through CODIS, a criminal database, and in fact is checking China's story. Unfortunately, a lot of the names that she's given are very common names, and that's really hard to decipher. Krebs hopes family, friends, recognize her and come forward. We just have to give her her name back. It's really, I'm just really appealing to the public that if, if you know who she is, please come forward. Please just let us know. There's no financial responsibility that's going to be added onto your family. Um, the state of Michigan is going to, you know, end up taking care of her. But we need to know what is her name, what is her so social security number. You just can't, you can't live without that these days. Krebs says she will consider genealogy DNA if no one recognizes China or there are no hits in the CODIS database. If you recognize China, call Michigan State Police. I'm Karen Drew, local Ford Defenders. There's an awful lot to go on there. Her voice, her face, all, all the things that we mentioned about her physical. You have to believe somebody, somebody watching knows something. Knows something. Yeah, something. knows who yeah. she is. Thoughts? Wow. Um, this is just such an unusual case. Agreed. Um, it's very sad to me. Yes, it is. I'm just thinking through all of the pieces of her life where they should be able to track down some information. Yes. Um, you know, when she was as late as when she was admitted to the hospital for this accident she thinks she was in. And then even before that, you know, anybody she ever worked with before that, you know, the school she attended, are they checking all the local schools and old like yearbook records and anyone who ever worked at those schools. And then even farther back than that. And to say that she thinks she has a son and an ex-husband. That's the part that broke my heart. If, if that's true. And no one, yeah. So what could have happened? I mean, are they, does she have family that is not coming forward for some reason? Or did she lose all of her family? But even losing all of your family, you just encounter so many people in your life. You think that someone would be recognizing her. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this. Um, yes. It's possible, and I'm not sure if this was verified. I, I can't really find it, obviously, but I think she was kind of seen around the Detroit area, and I think it's possible that she was homeless. She, But that's just speculation. Well, actually, I've got to get, give credit to the user that posted this on Reddit. It's uh, user recovering spaz7, but this user says, Quote, she had been homeless for a period of time, and it's believed frostbite could have also contributed to the amputations. Oh. So it could be, so she, yeah, there's a lot to unpack. So I'll just say that and I'll let you say what you were going to say. <laughs> okay. Well, then I also, and I had considered the angle that she was homeless, and that makes me wonder you know, I guess I don't know a lot about what, I mean, people who are born in a homeless situation, if they're living on the streets, you know, what, 
what does that mean for them? Do they, you know, have a social security number in every circumstance? Um, do they attend school necessarily? Um, just not, not having a home or an address or a stable living situation really puts you at risk for not being able to access all of those things. But wouldn't you, I'm sorry, you know, would make people more recognizable, I guess. But wouldn't, this might be ignorant, but if you're, you mean you're saying if, if, if she, I don't think she was necessarily homeless when she was born. Okay. Is that what you're wondering though? Yeah. I mean, what if she was homeless when she was born and has grown up? With in, in an inconsistent living situation, that could be. I guess I just uh, this may be ignorant, but doesn't like social services get involved if it's a minor or something? Yes, but I think social services would have to know that they're needed. You know, they'd have to track them down or be sought out. It just. And I don't know, this might be ignorant of me as well, but it it seems possible that someone could be living on the street and there is no one there to help them because they just, I don't know. Yeah, and there's also other things that could have led to, not. I mean, just because we're speculating, other things that can lead to um, amputation, like, for example, infections from IV drug use. I've seen that here in in Chicago, you know, people with really huge wounds or something like that, that they just, they are the result of drug use and they don't want to go to the hospital because they don't want to stop using. Right. Um, I'm not saying that was this woman's situation, but you know, that that is an event that would cause it. Yeah. The high risk. I don't know that that would be her situation because then you think she'd, she'd be experiencing withdrawal after the accident, after the amputation. And it doesn't seem like that was brought up at all. Yeah. And I, I'm, that was also a point. See, there's, there's a lot of like, where can we start with this? Right. So yeah, there's the whole angle of her. She had to have, gone to a hospital to get that amputation done yes so I wanted to talk to my friend who's a doctor and she actually worked as a doctor in Detroit and I want to ask I want to ask her you know what happens if somebody comes into the hospital and they don't really have an identity I mean they obviously can't pay for their care um yeah they have to be treated they still treat them yeah yeah, so there's that. Uh, there was a lot of good information about this on Reddit, so I was just scrolling to try to see. So somebody, I, I would like to read this, and apologies for the language and the um, dark nature of this, but there was one user that posted, they say, if you had a patient with that kind of amputation and near global amnesia like that, you'd remember and the treatment for a patient like that would be extensive. There would be lots of people who would have interacted with her. And mm-hmm. some somebody responded and said, um, no, I volunteer extensively with the homeless, especially Detroit, 
You'd be surprised how few fucks are given about poor black women in hospitals. A homeless black woman with no insurance, even a newly minted double amputee. I'd bet money they'd likely have her out the door in a wheelchair within the week. No site consult, no transfer to a rehab facility, not even cab fare or any meaningful effort to find her somewhere to stay. Amputations are very common in the homeless community, injection, drug use, uh, diabetes, frostbite, blah, et cetera, which I explained. Yeah. And yeah. So this, this um, person even says, quote, I had a girl I worked with who lost her leg after being hit by a train at 19. She told me she saw one psychiatrist in the hospital who stayed for maybe half hour and then left making a joke, quote, stay away from trains. Wow. So inhumane and very upsetting. Now, I don't, let's not paint the entire medical community as, as this kind of callous. No. But this is, I guess, you know, the nature of a big city and the nature of, you know, low income individuals, yeah. I guess. I don't know. So there's I mean, that. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people to treat. So, but I mean, how often are people performing double amputations like that? Well, that's a, that's a good question. And that's what I wanted to ask my friend about. Yeah. So maybe I can ask her and, um, you know, insert a little edit in here because that would be interesting to me for me to know as well. Um, yeah, I am because if it is that. common, if it's common in the homeless community, it's possible that, you know, they took her in for for this. And, you know, they just they treated it like and like this person said that she necessarily couldn't pay or something. They may have just sent her back out mm-hmm. or maybe she she refused. Who knows? Like maybe she refused a psych evaluation or something. I don't know. That, see, I don't know enough about the medical protocols and things like that too. Um, right. To know for sure what they do in any specific situation, but. Okay. This is Megan inserting an edit. Uh, I spoke to my friend who was a doctor in the Detroit area for a few years. And she did say that amputations, particularly among the homeless population, are quite common um, due to drug use, infection, diabetes, or other high-risk living situations. Just wanted to put that in. Now back to the show. Right. But even if she did, even if someone at the hospital who treated her would recognize her, they might not know any more information. She could have arrived and Mm -hmm. the amnesia could have already set in. And so she didn't know herself then. And so they treated a Jane Doe in the hospital and then released her. And then that doesn't help her any further. We don't know any more information. We just know that she was treated. Yeah. I guess, I guess we would know when that might help. Yeah. And let's talk about this. Oh, go ahead. You go. Go ahead first. So I wonder when, so she's been at this foster facility for eight years as of the video. 
Well, as of the um, video, four years, but as of now, it would have now been eight years because that oh, was 2018. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So now it's been eight years. So how did she come to live there? I wonder. That is a big question that I have too, because they have to have a record. Now, right. I almost wonder if she was living on the streets and if she was homeless, maybe these people just agreed to take her in. Right. That might like, be. Maybe she was known because if she's living on the street, she could have been known simply as the name she was given, like China. She could have. Yeah. It's not like the people that she's interacting with on the street would necessarily know much about her other than, oh, that's China. You know, she hangs out down here. And right. So it could, that's my guess that that's how she came to live there is that she was taken in somehow that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wonder if her story has ever been covered nationally. Because she thinks that her son might live in California. I wonder, you know, are they only talking about her story in Detroit or how far has it gone? That is another great, that's another question about this whole case. Because I also wonder, is she not even from Detroit? And is there someone who would recognize her from if they talked about this story nationally? Well, I agree with you. It should be covered nationally. Like as many people we can get to see, not we, like I have some sort of power, but as many people (laughs) that can lay eyes on her and hear her voice, I think the better. But I think according to this, it's believed that she grew up in Detroit, or at least she was like living there for a while because she was recognized as having been seen around Detroit. Okay. That doesn't mean though necessarily that she is. And I wonder for how long, just in her adult life, she was recognized. That's the vibe I got. Did something bring her, like she could have grown up anywhere. And then as an adult ended up in Detroit. Right. Um, Also, does she have a memory of being in a car accident outside of this McDonald's? Yeah. And that's where I was going to go next with this. Okay. Okay. Is the accident. So that's another thing you would think would have been documented. Yeah. Yeah. There should be a police report of that. There should be something now. It could have been a hit and run where somebody hit her. She's homeless. Whoever the person that maybe she's homeless at the time. And you know, the person that hit her took off mm-hmm. and then she's like, she didn't call the bother to call the police or, I, but you would still think somebody would have called the police. Yeah. If, if a car hit a person badly enough that it would eventually cause that person to require a double amputation, you'd think like the car would be damaged or someone would see this woman in incredible pain on the street and call for help. Or in, in Detroit, it's a busy city. There's a lot of but people there. But that's another thing. What if the amputation is is like not related? What if what if that maybe what if the amputation was due to one of the other reasons like frostbite or whatever else? And mm-hmm. this car 
this incident with the car, one, either didn't happen. Yeah. And it's just something that her mind came up with. It sounds like whatever it was, whether she had amnesia or whatever, if it caused something, like it's what I'm getting at is, was this maybe, what if the, the accident was more minor and her issues, yeah. her issues are stemming from something else, I guess, or maybe the accident's not real. So I was just thinking that I'm, I wish I knew more about amnesia because I'm very curious how she can just, just know nothing, you know, this total hundred percent amnesia of everything, most everything before this point in her life. She thinks she remembers a son and an ex-husband and certain things like the car accident and the fact that she lives in Detroit. But beyond that, it sounds like she does not know much. Um, so I was just Googling it. Um, causes of amnesia can include head and brain injuries. So that would fit with a car accident or mm-hmm. some other severe accident. Certain head, drugs, head alcohol, trauma. traumatic events. Hmm. Again, I'm not um, to throw, throw the homeless population under the bus, but many homeless people do suffer from addictions you know, drugs or alcohol. Yeah. I mean, it's possible all these things could have happened to this woman. She could have been hit by a car. All these things cause such total amnesia. Like how, what things cause just a temporary memory loss and what things are more permanent, you know, it sounds Mm -hmm. like a serious brain injury to cause something so permanent. And that also makes me wonder is this memory of her son and husband real or is it possible that a brain injury could make her invent this in some way? Yeah. That's another really good point. So Mm -hmm. what was I? Yeah. That brings me to another really good comment that I read on Reddit, which was Uh from murky conflict 3737. This person says, I wonder about the names of her husband and son. Depending on the amnesia, she could be misremembering her brother and nephew or cousin or close friends or even characters from a movie or TV show. Could she even be remembering from, or I'm sorry, could even be from an obscure book she read. She might even have a husband and son, but their names are not Peter and David Smith. Mm -hmm. So you know, this person says memories are not always accurate, especially for someone with a brain injury slash potential mental health issues. Yeah. Which is going along with what you're saying. It, you know, maybe none of this is accurate. Yeah. She's just, she's an unreliable source because we don't know the extent of her brain damage or amnesia. Right. Which makes it a bigger mystery. It's very heartbreaking for someone to just know nothing about themselves. Yeah. And I, I, it made me really sad when the woman said that some days she doesn't even want to get up. She just sleeps, you know? Yeah. It's just awful. I mean, because also it's sad if she really does have someone out there. And no one's like looking for her. 
Yeah. But that's, that's why I really want, I want this to get out more. I want this to be right. I want her face to be, because no one knows this story hardly except for an obscure amount of people. So. Mm-hmm. That's really um, sad because this seems like a situation where someone should be able to know something. You yeah, can't just live to the age of 52 and no one anywhere recognizes you in any way. It just right. doesn't seem possible. Even if you've lost every member of your family and every, you know, every friend in your life, there's just so many people who interact with you. Yeah. I don't know. It, but it's especially heartbreaking because she, she thinks that she has a husband and a son and she knows that they are either not seeking her out or don't know where she is. And that's got to be hard. Or maybe she's even considered the possibility that she is confused and doesn't have a son. And that's also like, how do you wrap your brain around what I think I know might not be what is, you know, I think I have a son, but maybe I don't. That would be very, just to not be able to trust yourself and and know that what is in your brain might not be accurate. And it just, that sounds very difficult. You know, yeah, absolutely. And you know what the thing about this is? I think this could be solved. I think yes. a lot more investigative work can be done on this. And I just think people can, can do their part to help. I think number one, um, I'm, when I put this episode out, I'm going to try to get as many, like not for my own gain, like to get people to listen and to learn about this case, but also like different news sources to, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not like this is an unidentified person that passed away. This person's alive, you know, could, could we even talk to her? You know, yes. someone like that woman interviewed her, you know, another thing that was suggested, take the yearbooks from these high schools to mm-hmm. her and have her look through them, see if anything jogs her memory. You right. Know, go through the list, go through the list of, of students. Uh, I know it would be difficult because we don't have an exact year that she may have attended. We don't know which school it could have been, but like see who's accounted for. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, oh, so-and-so's right, works like living in this state and has a wife and is married, like, you know, working at this company. Is yes. there anyone they could narrow down like that? They don't know what happened or like something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Track down the people who are roughly the same age and went to an area high school and just, Look at this face. Does she look vaguely familiar? You have to wonder if she saw anybody from her past in real life or even a picture from her past. Would it help jog her memory? I think that it would. I think so, too. And I'm not an expert. Yeah. Yeah. So and then the whole thing about uh, her, her husband and son, Peter and David Smith, unfortunately, incredibly common names. Mm hmm. So I understand the difficulty there, but 
I think you start with the high school and kind of trying to develop a timeline for her, her life. And, you know, yeah. once you find out if you're able to find her in the yearbook, then you, you know, I don't know. Then you, you go from there, like you just dig for as many records as you can find and try to piece it together. I think that, oh. it, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just mm-hmm. thinking, I know that they have age progression software. Do they have age regression software where they could try to create her face younger and then put that out there? That's you know? a good, I don't know. That's a really good question. Um, I wonder if that's a thing. Yeah, I don't know. But if anyone knows about age regression, I'm hit us Google up. It. <laughs> no, I'm not finding anything offhand. But yeah, I wonder because they can use the age progression software or whatever they use to help solve cases to show what people look like when they're older. That seems like there should be a reverse. That's pretty much all I have on this, Elaine. Um, I will say that China is a black woman. She's assumed to be older than 40 years old. Um, her DNA profile shows her to be at least 75% Northeast African. Her hair is black and slightly graying. Her ears are pierced. Uh, obviously, because of the loss of her leg, she uses a wheelchair. Um, it's unknown how she arrived at the foster facility. Again, I think that's something that could be found out, that could be investigated. Absolutely. Even if the there's got to be, number one, there's got to be records at that facility. Number yeah. two, even if, let's say that's an all-new staff or something, well, you can find who used to work there. And I, I think yeah. the, work, the work can really be done here. So I'm going to say it right now. I'm going to commit to helping to see if I can find out who this is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use whatever, whatever I can do. And um, absolutely. And, you know, and I, so I've heard so many cases of people taking these DNA ancestry kits and tracking down lost relatives that they were not aware of. Mm-hmm. If, her DNA, if she's done this and she's put her DNA into the system, I feel like there's a good possibility with so many people doing this. She, we can find some distant yeah. relative and go from there just as a jumping off point. Yep. Yep. That, yeah, absolutely. Well, more to come on this because I think I'm going to try to do some digging of my own and maybe we could do a part two on this. But for now, awesome. for now, what we're doing right now is bringing her story to light to again. Light. Mm-hmm. Um, because other than other than that, you know, news clip, I haven't found much else about this woman. So wow. we got to blast her out. I mean, she deserves to know at least what happened. You know, yes. she just deserves to know at least what the answers are. Yeah.
One minute and 43 seconds is dedicated to my number one fan. Thanks, Dad. I love you and I miss you. This podcast has been approved by Skipper the Cat. Right, Skippy? Yeah. <laughs>